Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Amen. I want to talk to you about being thankful. And if I were to say thankful for, we have a whole list of things. I trust that you spent some time this week in preparation for Thursday giving thanks to the Father for. Be it natural or be it spiritual. Be it for the family that you have, the family that you've had, for the things that the Father has done in your life. But I want to talk specifically this morning for a few minutes about something that this week I realized how thankful I am for as a believer, and that is for grace and truth. Now, that might seem a little different, but grace and truth will enable us to walk as believers in ways that our natural mind thinks impossible. I'm going to re-preach to you guys a message that I've been preaching to myself for the last couple of days because of the revelation and the power of God's Word and how we see ourselves as believers. I asked the prayer team while we were talking and praying before service, how many besides myself ever dealt with the spirit of condemnation since salvation? How many of you have dealt with the spirit of condemnation since you were saved for something? Some ugly sin, half of us, wow. The other half are amazing. Y'all must just be absolutely ready to be raptured out of here. Y'all are just unbelievable. But the reality of it is, is that we have all sinned (laughs) since salvation. Amen? We've all messed up, done things, thought things, said things, acted in ways that the only word you can describe it as is ugly, as a believer. And when we don't have a full knowledge of the Word of God or who we are in Christ, we don't understand grace and truth, we can allow a spirit of condemnation to really beat us up. Because we think we have to do works to be right with God. But works will not save us. Works will not redeem us. Works should be a response to the work of Holy Spirit in our life because we're right with God, not because we're trying to get right with God. Amen? Grace and truth are powerful things. Some of you in this room committed horrible sins since you were saved. And horrible sins lead to guilt, shame, and condemnation until we understand the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and what His grace has done for us. That no amount of feeling sorry for ourselves or even regret will change. 
grace and truth. So during this Thanksgiving season, when I spent time thanking the Father for all the natural things, my wife, number one, amen? All of you that are married should say amen to that. You start with thanking God for salvation, goodness, mercy, all that. Then you go directly to the spouse. Even if you've had a discussion. <laughs> Have you ever had to write a spouse like birthday card, Valentine card, Christmas card, Easter card after a discussion? There have been times when I've had to write mine far enough out in advance that I felt what I was writing. Come on, somebody. Now, am I the only one being honest this morning? Because it would seem like sometimes when it came to the actual day of, you were having a discussion and you didn't feel any of those things. Wow. Y'all just pray for me. I'm just like not near as spiritual as the rest of y'all. I have written a card a week in advance, <laughs> hoping within that week I was going to get things right <laughs> and actually feel what I was writing because my feelings had nothing to do with my commitment. Oh, that's good right there. Had nothing to do with my commitment. It just had to do with the benefits of writing something sweet. But the reality is, God's grace and truth brings us to a place where we can focus on who we are in Christ. And today, wherever you are on your journey, I'm asking Holy Spirit to use this word to either strengthen you, encourage you, convict you, but help you to understand the price that was paid for the grace of God. Grace is free, but it's not cheap. I know people that walk around with cheap grace. They just keep sinning and doing everything they want to do and just grace, grace. Grace costs Jesus his life on the cross. He paid a horrible price for us to know grace and not cheap grace. See, when we're fully walking in the goodness and mercy of God, our salvation, the last thing you want to do is hurt the heart of your father. And when we sin, and we often at times go through seasons where our flesh just gets the best of us, not only do you hurt those around you, but more importantly, we hurt the heart of God. But we don't have to continue in that sin, nor do we have to waller in self-condemnation. What we have to do is come back to the Word of God and find out what we're actually supposed to be doing. And, and then, listen to me, there's a grace to do it. There's a grace to walk in it. So, we're going to talk about grace and truth. John chapter 1, verse 17 says, For the law was given through Moses, the law. The law was given through Moses. Therefore, listen to me, every believer in this room, stop trying to live for God by the law. 
The law was given, but it was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth are given through Christ. The law tells me when I do wrong. And it says, you blew it. That's the law. And and if you try to get right with God through the law, you're going to be doing works of the flesh instead of acts of faith that says, I need to surrender because grace says you're already forgiven. Before you even committed the sin, you were already forgiven. Doesn't mean you don't confess your sin. What it means is that the grace is there for you to walk in that forgiveness. Second John chapter one, verse three, says grace, mercy, and peace. How many of y'all like grace, mercy, and peace? Will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. In the Word of God, one of my favorite descriptions for, for those of us who've accepted God's grace is the term, in Christ. And just in the epistles, the term in Christ is repeated by Paul and the other writers of the epistles in the New Covenant over 120 times in Christ. When we can begin to process in our, in our minds and in our spirit that I live in Christ. And Christ, he said, if you abide in me, I will abide in you. So, so there's a process that through grace, we can come to abide in the goodness of God and his word. We abide in his presence. And as we open up our heart, Christ is dwelling in us by the Holy Spirit, given to us. In Christ refers to salvation and living a life completely surrendered through the grace of God by the blood of Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. God the Father, come on, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All three working their will in our lives through grace and truth. You know, I've I've preached this and around this and through this and over this for years and years had seasons where I walked in it really with an amazing revelation and other times where you totally forget everything you ever read, taught, preached, or believed about grace. 
and you take on that flesh thing. It says, I got to do this and this and this to be right. When you might do this, this, and this because you're right, <laughs> but you're not doing those things to get right. I got to get up and pray at four o'clock every morning. I'm going to make a fresh commitment. Come on, why don't you start at seven? Right? Because all you're going to do is heap condemnation on you when you wake up tomorrow morning at 7.05. There's a grace to do whatever Holy Spirit leads us into. Let me just speak to all the men for a minute. It's not in my thoughts or notes, but it's coming out. All you dads. There's a grace in your life to lead your families. I don't care if right now today you feel like you're the biggest bum of a father spiritually that exists at the Rock of Gainesville. Has nothing to do with how you feel. Has everything to do with what Father God called you to do and to be in your family. To cover your family. We have a responsibility. And as fathers, there's a grace in our life to love our wife and to father our children. When you become a grandfather, there's a, another additional grace that comes into your life to walk out the responsibility of a grandfather. You know, when I first got diagnosed three years ago, one of the first things that kind of leapt in my spirit, don't worry, I didn't fall. <laughs> Have to be careful walking backwards. Uh, one of the first things that came alive in my spirit was no, I reject a three-month or a one-year death sentence. And the reason was because I envisioned myself sitting as a grandfather and having the opportunity to speak truth in grace to my grandchildren. A responsibility to cover them in prayer along with their moms and dads to stand in the gap, to intercede for, our, for my grandchildren. Why? Because, my gosh, it's a rough time to grow up as a child in America. But his grace is sufficient. So don't be telling your kids, woe is you, I understand all. No, no, no. You need to be speaking grace over your children that even though they're living in a time that you never lived in as a young person, they have a grace that you didn't have. Just like I have a grace to walk out this cancer battle, you don't have a grace to walk out cancer unless you've been diagnosed with cancer. God's not going to give you something you don't need. But he's giving you a grace to know how to father your children, speak life in them, protect them, cover them, know when it's time to do certain things, to discipline, to bring an understanding in your children, even if they don't like it. Dads, hear me. Stop trying to be best friends with your kids. There comes a time to be a friend. And it's when they're an adult and married. Because until then, you called to be a daddy. And there is a grace in your life to daddy. To discipline. To speak correction. To say no when they don't like it. And when they ask why, you don't have to have an answer. Lord, some of you millennials, hear me. Stop trying to reason with your kids. At least stop trying to reason with them around me. Because you see, God never gave you a grace to reason with your kids. He gave you a grace 
to father your children. Whew, that's good stuff. That's a, that's a, men, that's a men's only <laughs> gathering word right there. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, says, But now in Christ Jesus, listen to this, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Woo! I get chill bumps every time I read that. By myself in a prayer time preaching it. There is a grace when we draw near to the blood of Christ. When we remind ourselves every good and perfect thing in my life came from above through the blood of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. How, how many of y'all went out real quick this week and watched The Chosen in the theaters before it went out of the theaters? Some of y'all, now if I start telling stories, it's, it's not my fault. I'm gonna just have to tell you. I'm, I'll leave it alone. But I tell you, this week as I was thinking about so many of the things that I have witnessed through watching this series of The Chosen, now in its third season, is just a freshness of Christ Jesus. I watched an interview they did with, uh, I don't even know his, I don't know his other name, Jesus. <laughs> From the, from the chosen, I, I watched an interview, and this is, I think, the third time that he's played the role of Jesus in different um, settings. And uh, they ask him what it's like <laughs> to play the role of Christ. Man, that, that's got to be, that, I, I couldn't do that. But this guy, he just... I love his character because through it, things in the Word of God became, there was a greater light of Christ in his humanity because Jesus was both the Son of Man and the Son of God. And, and we always, as we read Scripture, just see Jesus as the Son of God. But he was born. He cried. He threw up. He peed and pooped. He was the son of man. And Mary mothered him and Joseph fathered him. I love him one of the scenes where Mary says something to Jesus about his father and he smiles and says, which one? <laughs> I just thought, that's so real. Because he had a father who taught him how to use a hammer and a saw. And he was a skilled, he wasn't a skilled carpenter because he was the son of God. He was a skilled carpenter because Joseph taught him how to carpentry. Is that the right word? No, it's okay. I don't care. <laughs> you get the gist. In Christ, in Christ, think about that for a moment. When you mess up, Holy Spirit is always right on time 
to remind us, to convict us, to challenge us, to encourage us. Is this who you are? Is this what you want? When we fight the spirit of guilt and shame and condemnation, the only way to overcome it and walk in victory is to go back to the Word of God and find out, be reminded who you are in Christ. I was reading an article uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, by Rick Warren from California. And he used an illustration that when I read it, you ever read something that just kind of jumped all over you and you had to go, I got I to gotta do this, got to think about it like this, fresh. Is that me? Do we need to switch mics or we'll try it for a little bit? I hope that's not my new hip moving around. I don't think so. It's way up here. Do we have a mic if I, if I need it? Yeah, just let me hold it in case. Yeah, let's switch. going to be... A little hard to do because I want to write some things, but imagine your life for a moment. You love Jesus. You leave church all hyped up, full of faith. You've hugged all the believers, body slammed the brothers, kissed with a holy kiss on the cheeks. Hugged all the kids and the babies, and you leave church, and something happens, and your flesh rises up. Now, I know this has never happened to any of y'all in this room. <laughs> Annabelle said, yeah, it did, because somebody in this church cut me off in the parking lot and almost got hit. But something ugly rises up. And you go, how could that happen that quick? It's called the sin nature. And it's something that you will deal with all the way until you depart through the door of death into the presence of God and hear, well done. We live in the flesh. We live in a fallen nature. Earth. Sin. And so, as we worship God, as we pray, as we get into his word, as we begin to build ourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, as we invite his presence to help us to not only read the word of God, but to understand it. And how it applies to my life, my marriage, my family, my children, my finances, my situation. The word never fails. Can you say amen to that? Our understanding of it at times fails. 
You ever talk to somebody that been walking with God for a long time, but everything they just shared with you is, it's like out there. And you go, whoa, that is out there. You don't receive every word that someone else speaks to you about what God said. You receive every word that God speaks to you. Amen? And if you learn to do that, parking lot prophets will not influence your life to do something stupid. And when I was young, man, parking lot prophets, they were, man, they were like super spiritual. Some of you are like, I don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) Parking lot prophets. Let me say, it's a great time to be in the church of Jesus Christ in America. We go from glory to glory. And when I first came into the spirit-filled, charismatic, Pentecostal church, we believe the whole Bible, there was some weird stuff going on in church. I mean, some weird prophecies, weird messages in tongues, weird interpretations. It's amazing we survived that stage, but we did. Man, I'd be in church and somebody'd stand up and start, speaking in a heavenly language, which the word of God says you ought not to do in public unless there's somebody to give an interpretation. So somebody else would jump up and give an interpretation. Thus saith the Lord thy God, I am mad at y'all. And just go to rebuking everybody. And then they'd sit down and somebody on the other side would jump up and say, thus saith the Lord, this is really me. And I love you, you're my children. Wow, I'm like confused. Is God mad at me or is God happy with me? And then you'd go out in the parking lot and somebody be coming right at you. Because during service, they got a word for you. And they always start with, my child, my child. The Lord would say to thee. I was like, hey, this is like 1976. Speak to me without thee and thou, because I don't understand all those. And they would give you a word. Like, I had a word one time from a man of God. And if I would have obeyed it, the rock of Gainesville would not exist. Because that word was sending me to the backside of Africa. 18 years old, wanting to do God your will. Man, I want to hear your voice. And all of a sudden, I heard his voice. My son, go with the rest of these to Africa. And man, I was going. I went home, packed, started packing my bags. I ain't got no money. I don't have a passport. I don't even know what a passport is. I don't know you have to have a passport to leave the country. More importantly, you got to have one to get back home. Come on, somebody. But thank God, my pastor got wind of it. The man of God, the authority in my life, called me to his office. And I think I still have some leftover residue of the stripes (laughs) that he put on my body (laughs) that saved my life. But guess what? 20 years later, first place the Lord ever allowed me to go Apostle Ball called me and said, son, I need you to go with me. I said, sure, Pastor, where are we going? This church is eight, nine months old, 10 months old. 
We're small. He said, I need you to go to Africa with me. Need you to get a passport. I knew what one was by then. He said, I need you to get your wife's blessing. And I said, that sounds great, Pastor. You going to pay my way? He said, no, no, no. I need you to believe God. If he wants you to go, he's going to make provision. And so we prayed. Suzanne agreed that I should go. First time ever out of the country, 21 days in Africa. Standing with a water hose on a little block each night, Pastor and I would take turns showering the other one. Be out there in our little bathing suits and all the Africans was looking at all that white skin. Woo, they were saying all kinds of stuff. <laughs> but it was the only way we could take a shower. So I held the water hose over him and he scrubbed down and I, he held the water hose over me and I scrubbed down. The word of the Lord came into season. Amen. But imagine this, you got some things in your life, sin. And, and, and those things are ugly. Now, just for the sake of helping me out a little bit, what is a sin? You can call it out if you'd like. What is a sin that somebody you know has committed? Let's do it that way. Not one of your sins. Just a sin that a brother or sister has committed uh, since you know they gave their heart to Christ. What is it? Gluttony. Oh, goodness gracious, gluttony. Hold it. Hold it. I can't write that fast. All right. What was the second one? Lion. Third one? What? Pride. Ooh, that was one I already had written down. Not for me, of course. Somebody I know. <laughs> Y'all laugh. You've already, you've already had one. Somebody else. What? Say it out loud. What? Cheating? Hold it. You already had one, too. Who else? Come on. Give me a sin. What? Adultery. Gossip. Oh, I wondered if any ugly things were going to come up. Pornography. What else? Greed. That's a good one. How about this one? Disobedient to parents. Wow. Now, okay, that's enough of your, I mean, other people's sins. Oh, I did write another one, rebellion. Worse than witchcraft is what the word says. Okay, imagine these cards with your, I mean, somebody else's sin on them. Imagine how ugly this is. Now remember, we're talking about believers here. We're not talking about before we got saved. We're talking about after salvation. We look at these and we go, wow, this, this, these sins I've committed, thoughts and actions, they have been hurtful to my relationships. 
They separate me from the goodness and the grace of God. They left me broken, condemned. When you look at my life in regards to these cards, they're dirty, torn, ugly, no cards. They represent us. The word of God, it represents Jesus. So when we look at our sins outside of Jesus, they will beat you up, tear you down, destroy your walk with the, with the Father. Because you look at them and go, I, I'm, I'm not worthy of heaven. I'm not worthy of forgiveness. Oh, what a lie from hell. Remember now, you're saved. You've already confessed Jesus, invited him into your life. And, and then you end up committing these kinds of sins. And if you get bogged down with this is who you are, you're never going to walk in victory. This represents Jesus. And when I look at this and I open up the word and I read about being in Christ, I read about the grace of God. I go over to the new covenant. I look up John's gospel, see all those amazing red letters, red words that are in Christ. I read about the word of God and being in Christ. These separate me. And when I look at them and I continue to look at them, it affects the way I do life. Affects the way I walk with God. Affects the way I have relationship with my brothers and sisters. Inability to worship God. Pride is one of the things that keeps men from being able to worship God. Well, that's just, you know, that's just outward stuff. That's not me. No, no, that's pride. Because I promise you, if Jesus walked into this room, pride would go out the door probably fall on your face quicker than anyone else because of his goodness. But these things keep us separated. But if I put these in Christ, where's my sin? Who sees that pride? When I come to the realization that I can't hang on to that Sin, that card that represents my life. So I open up the word that represents Jesus and I put that card in there. Now I ask you, what do you see? Do you see my sin or do you see Christ Jesus? You see, when we come to that place by faith where we learn how to put everything in Christ on a daily basis, He forgives us. We cannot treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, Galatians 2 verse 21, then there was no need for Christ to die. But he did die on a cross so you and I could be right with him. In Christ, I'm free. In Christ, you're free. You no longer 
See, if you went home and took a few cards out and wrote a few things that you were dealing with and then surrendered them to Christ and opened up that Bible and slid those cards in there, closed that Bible and said, by faith, these things are going to no longer be a part of my walk. Because every time they rise up, I'm going to remind myself that I'm in Christ. Philippians chapter 3 verse 14 says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call, upward call of God. Listen to this, in Christ Jesus. I don't press towards the call, the gift, the prize in me or in my position or in my title. You press in to Christ. And as you do, your walk, your talk, your confession, your lifestyle begins to come under something greater than works to serve God. I love people that love to serve, especially when their servanthood heart is because of who they are in Christ Jesus not because they're trying to serve their way to be right. Work their way to be right. We're called to surrender. Ephesians chapter two, verse four through, I'm gonna read two sets of scriptures, I'm gonna close this down. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us. What kind of love? What kind of love? Great love. He loved us so much. He was willing to obey the heart of the Father. He said, nevertheless, Father, not my will. Your will be done. And he went on the cross because he loved you and me before we ever were. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Where? In Christ Jesus. Not when we get to heaven here on earth. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us. Again, in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. Read that last line. It is the gift of God. Read it again. It is the gift of God, our faith. And so, I'm not going to take the time to read because I'm watching the clock. But read Romans chapter 6, verse 10 through 14 when you get home this afternoon. Meditate on that. Because if I wanted to read it, I would have to really slow down because it's so powerful. The power of the cross and how we're to walk. Because we are not under law, but under grace. We are under grace. And I close with this. Grace that enables us to say sin will not rule and reign in my life. As a believer... I'm not giving a place for sin to rule and reign 
in my life any longer. I'm no, go, I'm no longer going to use it as an excuse because grace, 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 grace. I can do this. Grace, grace. Run around, proclaim. Listen, when you have grace, you don't have to proclaim it. And if you're his child, he's already provided it. That's why a lot of times in my prayer time, I've had Holy Spirit say, why are you praying that? Because this is what my word says. You trying to convince me of what my word says or are you going to walk in what my word says? That's why I don't any longer pray over myself for healing in my body. I, I prayed stood in faith. All of you prayed with me. Well, pastor, what what, what are we supposed to do? Well, I just confess the word. I speak God's word over my circumstance and over my situation. Well, you you might say, well, well, then aren't you saying something that's not true? No, no, no. I never said I wasn't fighting cancer. I was saying cancer is not going to rule and reign in my life according to the word of God. You and your circumstance things are rough, bad, you don't just act like they don't exist. You begin to find out what God's word has to say that's already been given and there's a grace sufficient in you to walk in it. To keep from you walking out of here confused, there is a time to pray and ask God. But our God is a good God. I don't have to beg God for what his word already promised. Amen? I don't have to keep going back to God to remind him that I need an answer. His word has already declared it. The doctors say this, yes, I accept that, acknowledge that, but that will not rule and reign in my life. Why? Because his word has so many promises. And you learn to make declarations, you learn to speak it. You learn to declare it. You learn to speak those things that are not as though they already were because in Christ Jesus, they already are. Amen? You you proclaim and declare and speak. You speak to your marriage. You speak to your finances. You speak to your relationships. You speak to your body. You speak to the pain. And you say, pain, you will not exist in my life, in my body, in my marriage, in my mind. You speak. Why? Because you're in Christ. And his grace and the truth of his word brings life. It's a promise for every believer. And today, I challenge you, stir you, encourage you that whatever you need to allow the Lord to do, to bring you in a greater revelation and understanding of who you are in Christ Jesus. That you just allow him to do it. Speak the word, proclaim it, receive it, walk in it. When you're convicted, repent. Don't act like it's not there. It's there. And it will bog you down until you make things right. But the beauty of Christ in me, the hope of glory, is that when I confess... He's right there to forgive. And he's right there to tell the Father, in me, there's no sin. In me, he's clean. Christ at the right hand of the Father, making intercession on your behalf and reminding the Father 
what his blood did for you and I. Wow, that's good. Reminding the Father what his blood did for us. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you that we're in Christ today. And that there is grace and truth that one we're really thankful for. Because it frees us up to be who we are in Christ. Frees us up from the guilt of sin and shame. Past failures. Present failures. Frees us to be who you called us to be in Christ. And I pray for every believer in this room this morning. That wherever they are on their journey. Wherever you're bringing your word, your conviction, your love that we will simply acknowledge, begin to, in our own personal lives, walk out the fullness of the revelation of your word for us. Believers, will you for just a moment pray? Pray for those that need Christ today. If you're watching online this morning, you're sitting in this congregation today or you're listening by a podcast, If you have never received Jesus to be Lord of your life, you're not in Christ because you've never opened up that door of your heart where he's continually knocking, wanting to come into your life. He's already paid the price for your sin, your failure. He wants you to know of the Father's love for you. If you are not in Christ today and Christ is not in you, believers are praying for you. You're here, not by accident. You're watching online, not by accident. You're listening to a podcast, not by accident. Jesus loves you so much. He's knocking at your heart's door, wanting you to invite him in. Today is the day of salvation. And if you don't know him today, I want to lead you in a simple prayer right where you sit, where you surrender your life, your heart, your soul, your mind to Jesus Christ. It's between you and the Father. He loves you so much. If you've walked away from God, you're in a backslidden state, hear me. You can live in that guilt and shame and condemnation of walking away or failing, or you can receive the fullness of Jesus' love to bring you back into the fold, into the heart of the Father. Because what he paid on the cross, the price he paid, was for all of your sins. There's nothing that he won't forgive you for. So with every head bowed, believers are praying. If you're sitting in this room this morning and you want me to lead you in a simple prayer, would you just raise your hand right where you are and hold it until I can see it and let me lead you in a prayer this morning to invite Jesus into your life. If that's you, raise your hand. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Jesus wants to come into your life. If you're watching online, obviously I cannot see you, but you can. Respond. Pray. Yes, God bless you, dear. You can put it down. Today, 
He loves you so much. No decision that you ever make in your life is more important than this one because it's about eternity. Anyone else? I don't want to miss anyone. Huge decision. Eternal decision. I'm going to invite you to pray with me right where you're seated. If you're watching online, pray with us. We'll tell you in a few minutes what you can do next. But right now, pray this prayer with me, with this precious sister. Pray this out loud. Father God, in the name of your son Jesus, I acknowledge today I need you. I've lived in sin. Sin has been prevalent in my life. But today, I choose Jesus. Jesus, I invite you into my heart. I surrender all, everything to you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I confess them. I acknowledge. And I choose today to serve you, Father God, by the grace of your son, Jesus. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Holy Spirit, I invite you into my life today as I choose for the rest of the days of my life throughout eternity to serve you, Father. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise for touching someone's life in an eternal way. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. I want to invite you to stand. The prayer team's going to come. I know we didn't do this last week, and so this morning we want to take just a few minutes to pray whatever your circumstance, need, situation is. We've had something happen this week that it's... Uh, just never happened in our house before the significance, but we've had three family members um, or family of those that are part of our house. Uh, thankfully, all were saved, but we've had three individuals go to be with Jesus this week. And uh, for those that don't know, didn't read the E-line this week, our very uh, dear brother, Neil Berryman, Harriet's husband and Brian's dad, and all those wonderful grandkids, grandfather, passed away this last week uh, after a pretty long battle that he's walked through. I had the privilege of praying with him. I, I actually, I called to encourage him. Was it Friday morning? Saturday morning. And uh, I finally said, Neil, I called to encourage you. He wouldn't shut up. He was encouraging me about who I am and the Lord and who my wife is and who our church is and how wonderful we are and how he regretted that they, him and Harriet didn't come here earlier. And he had said all those things about a month ago to me. And it really blessed me, ran, ran me down the aisle and uh, told me one Sunday after service. And, but Neil is 84 years old and he's with Jesus today, free of pain. We're going to be having a service uh, to celebrate his life, um, I believe, a week from Thursday. Um, the Elon will be sent out. It's going to be during the day. And I want to encourage you to make plans to come and be a part of that. 
Also, uh, Arlene Cologne, Ollie's grandmother, and Miss Arlene's mom passed away yesterday at 89 years of age. She's been in hospice for 18 days. Uh, it's been a long couple of weeks, almost three weeks. And uh, she went to be with the Lord yesterday. And about the same time, Mary Lou Gennaro's mother uh, passed away out in uh, Phoenix, I believe. And uh, after really just a short battle. They were out there just recently, and her mom was in good condition, 93 years old, uh, but had a heart attack, and and she's with the Lord. Man, it's a wonderful thing. It's a sad thing, and yet it's a joyful thing that we can stand here and say all three of these are in the presence of Jesus today. So they went before us, and we pray for them, but there is obvious pain at loss, especially when it's a parent or a grandparent. And so we have been praying for them and encourage you to do that. But as the prayer team is here this morning, whatever need you might have, the worship team's going to come and lead us for just a couple of minutes. We're here to pray with you, stand in agreement. If you need to come and just confess that all those sins that you carried around, you're ready to put in Christ Jesus in the Bible, um, Sometimes it's good to make confession. It's good for the soul. It's good for a place of being free. And so whatever your need is this morning, we're here to minister to you, encourage you, stand in agreement with you. So as the worship team comes, uh, you feel free to come down. Father, we just open up our hearts now and say we are thankful that we stand in agreement and power and faith in your word, that as we stand to pray with one another, Lord, we're encouraged in the faith. We don't have to walk this walk alone. And then when there are times when we're going through something difficult, it's a wonderful thing to be able in the house of God to have somebody stand in agreement with us. And so whatever the needs are today, we just declare you are greater than the need. We give you all praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Come on if you need prayer this morning. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.